Good morning, River City. Uh, it's good to be with you again. My name is Brandon. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm thankful to get to worship God with you together this morning and, and really looking forward to opening God's word with you this morning as we begin a brand new series. Um, we're going to be, uh, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be taking a look, uh, beginning a study, a series, taking a look at seven statements that Jesus makes about himself in the Gospel of John. Seven statements that he uses to reveal and to describe himself in that Gospel. And all, all seven of these statements, he combines the phrase, I am, with a specific metaphor that expresses something about who he is and, and what he has come to do. And often these statements that Jesus makes, these I am statements, they're directly connected with miracles that Jesus has done. And they're meant to highlight the reality that these miracles that Jesus has done, they're not just displays of power instead, and more importantly, they're declarations, they are demonstrations, they're, they're pictures of who he is and of what he has come to do. They're, they're, they're meant to give us a glimpse into the reality, into the nature of his saving relationship with the world and with humanity. And it's been my prayer this week as I've studied and prepped as, that as we study these I am statements over the coming weeks, that, that we wouldn't just know more about Jesus, that we wouldn't just come to know him more, but instead that we would come to love him more, that we'd come to worship him more, and that we would come to obey him more fully. You see, these I am statements, they're not just meant to change our minds. They're meant to change our hearts and our lives. And so that by faith that we might be able to respond to the revelation about who Jesus is and, and all that he has done for us. And so that's my heart and that's my prayer this week as we begin our study. That as we see Jesus more, that, that we understand him more, it might lead us to love him and worship him. And it might lead us to obey him more fully as we respond in faith to who he has revealed himself to be. And so to that end, let's pray and we'll dive into our passage. God, we come before you this morning and we are grateful that you, would, uh, that you would reveal yourself to us, that you are not a God who hides, but you are one who wants to be known. And so, God, we pray that you would help us to know you. God, not so that we might know more about you, but so that we might know you more fully and be able to respond in love and worship and obedience unto you. So, God, for our good and for your great glory, would you enable us to see Jesus more fully this morning? And respond to him rightly. We can't do it on our own. We need you. We look forward to how you meet us in your word this morning, God. Amen. Amen. Well, before we dive into these seven I am statements that Jesus makes about himself, we, we actually need to take a look at one other I am statement this morning. And uh, one other I am statement that Jesus makes about himself. It's the, the eighth I am statement because it provides for us the framework that we're going to need to understand and apply and respond rightly to the rest of the I am statements that Jesus makes. And so this eighth I am, the one that we're going to use to set our series up this morning, we see it in John chapter 8, beginning in verse 31. The passage reads this way, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? And Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave is no permanent place in a family, but a son belongs to it forever forever. 
And so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. Very truly I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. At this they exclaimed, now we know that you're demon-possessed. Abraham died and so did the prophets, and yet you say whoever obeys your word will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? And Jesus replied, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you, but I do know him, and I obey his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You're not 50 years old, they said to him, and you've seen Abraham? Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered. Before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. In our passage this morning, uh, Jesus is talking with a group of religious leaders of his day, and he's just dropping theological bombshells on them left and right. But his goal is is not to impress them, it's not to confuse them, nor is it to anger them. Instead, what Jesus is trying to do for these people is he's trying to open their eyes to the reality that they, like the rest of humanity, are hopelessly and helplessly enslaved and in desperate need of liberation and rescue. And the kind of rescue that they need, that we all need, it's a rescue that only he can bring. It's a kind of freedom that only he can offer. You see, these religious leaders that Jesus is talking to, they think they're free. Ironically, even though at this current time they're under under, uh, Roman occupation. But Jesus tells them that they misunderstand them altogether. Instead, he tells them what they really need freedom from, what, what, what we really need rescue out of. It's not a physical slavery. It's a spiritual one. It's a spiritual slavery. In verse 34, he tells them, anyone who sins is a slave to sin. We tend to think about sin as as bad behavior that we need to stop or, or, or avoid. But what Jesus is alluding to here is the reality that sin is first a condition before it is a behavior. You see, it's a, it's a problem, it's a condition of our hearts in which we stand in rebellious opposition towards God rejecting his way and his rule and his authority in our lives. And that leads to all kinds of sinful, wrong behaviors. But that's not the real problem. The behavior isn't the real problem. You see, sinful behavior is just a symptom that points to the sinful condition of our hearts. And Jesus is saying here that that there's only one way to fix that condition of our hearts. There's only one way to get rid of the sin in our hearts. He says it's through him. He says to these people, your spiritual father Abraham, he can't set you free. Your moral behavior, it can't set you free. He says, but I can. I can set you free from sin. I can set you free from the consequences of sin, which is death. And they respond to him in uh, the latter section of the passage. And they say, now we know you're possessed. You're crazy. They say, no one one escapes death. 
They say Abraham, our, the patriarch of our faith of the Jewish people, he died centuries ago. And all the prophets, they also died. What makes you so special, Jesus? Do you think that you're greater than all of them? And Jesus' response in verse 58, it's a resounding yes. Very truly, he tells them, before Abraham was born, I am. Notice that Jesus doesn't say, before Abraham was born, I was. He says, before Abraham was born, I am. It's not a translation error. It's not a grammatical snafu. It was an unmistakable declaration of his identity, his true identity. You see, those two words, I am, they would have sent uh, the minds of any Jewish person racing back to Exodus chapter 3 in the story of Moses' encounter with God at the burning bush. There God commissions Moses as his representative to return to Egypt to liberate his people from slavery there. And Moses, before he goes, he asks God, he says, God, who should I tell them? Who should I tell your people? Who should I tell them has sent me to you? God responds to Moses and he says, tell them I am has sent you. Literally, the translation, tell them Yahweh has sent you. Yahweh, that is my name. In revealing himself to Moses as the great I am, as Yahweh, God is saying, I had no beginning and I will have no end. I am who I am. I do not change. In, I am the uncreated God. In me, everything that is existing holds its existence. All things have their beginning from me. I am utterly self-sufficient. I depend on no one. I depend on nothing. Everything exists that it depends on me. I am and there is no one like it's by that name that God's people would know who had rescued them, who had set them free from slavery in Egypt. You see, that name for God, the I Am, Yahweh, it was, it was so revered, so holy, that the Jews went out of their way not to write it, let alone say it. But here in verse 58, Jesus not only takes that name on his lips, he takes it on himself. He says, yes, he was greater than their father Abraham. You see, in calling himself the I Am, Jesus was declaring that he was God himself. The same God who had sent Moses to rescue his people from slavery in Egypt had now come in person to rescue all people from the greater slavery that we all are under to, to, to sin and to death. You see, it's the very declaration that John begins his gospel with. And chapter 1 reads, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You see, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who has come from the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, the message of John's gospel and of Jesus' I Am statements is that in Jesus, the eternal, sovereign, self-sufficient God has come to rescue the world from its, self, some, from its insufficiency, from its slavery, from, from its inability to escape the slavery of sin and death. And it's only through faith in Jesus, faith in his name, that we can be rescued from slavery to sin and death and instead receive true life and freedom both now and forever. You see, without Jesus' liberating rescue, 
and faith in that and, on, and the ongoing presence he has in our lives, we are all slaves to sin. You see, and it's in the midst of that slavery to sin that Jesus, he came in the midst of our slavery to our consuming desires that never fulfill. Jesus, the I am, offers himself as the bread of life. The one who not only sustains fully, but satisfies completely. In the midst of our spiritual blindness, Jesus, the great I am, shines as the light of the world that illuminates our hearts so that we might see our need for him but also be able to respond to his offer of freedom and life. It's in the midst of our helplessness and foolishness and weakness that Jesus, the I am, he stands as the gate that guards the sheep who trust in him and the good shepherd who cares tenderly for those who have come under his care. In the midst of our endless search for the path that leads to life, Jesus, the great I am, offers himself as the way, the truth, and the life that we are looking for. In the midst of our endless self-centeredness and insufficient self-sufficiency, Jesus, the I am, proclaims himself to be the true vine in whom we can become all God has made us to be, bearing the life-giving fruit that results in God's glory instead of our own. In the midst of our inability to overcome death, Jesus, the great I am, comes to us as the resurrection and the life. You see, Jesus promises a freedom that no one else can give. And it is based on a truth and a power that he alone possesses because he alone is God. And it's only through an ongoing faith in him that we might be saved and sustained. And so church, I want to call us to set our eyes on him, the great I am, that we might know him better, that we might love him more and obey him more fully, that we might live unto his name and unto his glory. You see, without Jesus, we stand in slavery to sin, and and our sin is a result of of our enslavement to it. But so often for us as followers of Jesus, the sin that we experience in our lives is a result that we've taken our eyes off of him. We started to look to something else to satisfy and give life and fulfill. You see, in the invitation as we come to Jesus in the Gospel of John, and as as we encounter these I am statements that he makes about himself, is to keep coming to him ongoingly. Keep looking to him ongoingly as the one who gives life, the one who sustains, the one who satisfies, the one who provides, the one who is all that we need so that we might, as we continually set our eyes on him, we might live lives of faith in him, lives full of love for him, worship unto him, and obedience to him. And so church, may that be our prayer. May that be our hope. May that be our goal as we live lives uh, in light of Jesus' revelation as the great I am. Might we be a church and a people who love him and live for him and worship him and obey him because we know him as God and Savior. And so to that end, let's pray. King Jesus, we come before you this morning and we are so grateful that we get to worship you 
God, we're so grateful that you would come to reveal yourself to us as the great I am who, who hasn't sent another representative like you did with Moses, but instead you came yourself to rescue us from, from the enemies and the, and, the, and the greater evils of Satan and sin and death. And God, we recognize without you we have no hope, oh, but with you we have life, abundant life. And so, God, we humbly ask that you would keep showing us your son, Jesus, that you might help us to see him as the great I am, the one who meets all of our needs, the one who is what we need, and the one who rescues us from our slavery to sin. God, as, we, as you show him to us these coming weeks, God, would you fill us with a love for him and a gratitude for him and a worship for him that leads us in obedience uh, unto you. God, pray that you would, uh, as we look at your son Jesus, as we see him, as we see our rescue in him, that you would make us a people who love you more, who live for you more, and who proclaim you as the good God, the great I am, who has set us free from sin. God, in your great name we pray. Amen.